to go real short with me this morning. I have a few things to share, and then Tad's going to take it. So we'll start in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. You know, Jesus is our healer. Amen. Healing's been provided. Amen. And uh, frequently we see people um, having confusion as to why it's not immediate. We learned that God does things in different ways. Sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes it is a process to receive the healing. But I always ask myself, well, what about me? What can I do? And we've had people say that before. Is there anything I can do? We're not the healer. Amen? He's provided the healing. There's nothing you can do to make healing happen. However, the Word shows us a few things that we can do to hinder the full manifestation of our healing. And we're going to look at just a couple of those to make sure that we have our hearts set straight. In Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I want to encourage you in the area, in whatever area, this can apply to any, but specifically in healing, get those scriptures on healing and listen to them. Plant them in your heart. And as I said the other day, sometimes it's just a phrase. I like the phrase, for me, Jesus had compassion on them and healed all their diseases. You see that in the Word. And so for me, as we were talking about meditating on the Word of God, I stop and think about each word. Compassion. He loves us. God loves us. Jesus showed God's love, Him, the very Him. He is love to people by healing them. So if you meditate on the fact of how much He loves you, that could take years just meditating on that one word. The compassion of God. He loves you. He loves you. He sent his son so that we could, God sent his son so we could be whole. As we've said, not just, not just so we can go to heaven. That's a great thing. Our eternal life's in heaven. But we are whole here today. Amen. And he, he takes pleasure in that. So hearing the word of God, I want to again encourage you, get a scripture or two or 50 and keep planting those in your heart on the subject of healing. So now let's turn over to Matthew and I'm going to go to chapter uh, 13, Matthew 13. <clears throat> All right, so we know that Jesus spoke in parables and we're going to look at a parable that's very familiar today and you might say, well, what does this have to do with healing? You'll see. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, it says, He spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Verse 5, Some fell upon the stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some 160 and some 30-fold. Now, as you go down later in this chapter, Jesus explains these, this parable a little bit more. But I want to ask you this morning, and this is something that we constantly have to ask ourselves in regards to receiving from God, how's your ground? Amen. So often we use this only in the area of finances. I heard it said last night, we took up an offering, and, and Cody said, this is good ground. 
Well, we'll do everything we can to be good ground to receive that offering and make it be effective, amen, in the ministry. But how's your ground in receiving the seed of regarding the word of healing? Amen. So you have to check yourself in everything. This is the part we have to play. Choosing to believe, I receive my healing. How's your ground? Here's the seed. You're receiving lots of seeds to be planted regarding healing. What are you going to do with it now? So how's your ground? Let's look at where he explains it down in verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. So you don't have to have an understanding of what every single Greek word means and how this culture had to do with that, etc., etc. But when you receive the truth of the word that says, Jesus, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed, here it says, if you understand it not, it's like the one that the wicked one comes to snatch it away. So in your mind, you can see, is my heart, let's see if we place ourselves here, is my heart to receive, is my ground set up so that, yeah, I heard what they said, but whatever. That kind of an attitude is just like throwing the seed along the road and the birds come immediately. The devil comes immediately to steal. He's going to try to come and steal your healing from you that full manifestation. So check yourself. How's your heart? Let's go on. But, but he that receives the seed in stony places, the same as he that hears the word and anon with joy receives it, yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while, and this is key, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, and by and by he is offended. This is where the enemy gets more people, I believe, than any other. What? Jesus is, I'm believing that my healing is coming into full manifestation. Oh, I sat under great teaching on healing. I'm going over my scriptures on healing. I see myself. I'm meditating on the word. I see myself, as Tanner was talking about last night, I see myself healed. I see myself doing those things that I can't do when, that, when those symptoms are hindering me. But I am so offended at my neighbor. I am so offended at her. I can't even stand to say her name. Okay, this is placing us right here. This is how our ground is. Look at it again at the end of verse 21. And by and by, he is offended. So that can prevent. It, it's just like this. I'm focusing on my healing. I'm meditating on the word. I'm doing everything I can do. He's the healer. He's already provided it. I'm setting myself in focus. But what I'm doing like that is, okay, but I'm going over here because I'm focusing on that person that I'm so mad at. And my over there <laughs> is where I need to be. I'm so offended at her. She hurt my feelings. Or he got the job above me. Or he stole money from me. Or he caused a wreck and hurt a member of my family. Whatever it is, I'm offended. It's preventing my ground from being good ground. Y'all see that? Okay, let's go on. And then we'll come back to that word. He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So if you find yourself not focusing on and seeing that complete healing come into manifestation, but you find yourself over here either offended or as this said, in the cares of this world, those anxious thoughts, 
that when you wake up, I still feel that pain. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I, I sat under the word. I know this, I know that. Anxious thoughts, the cares of this world can do what? Rob you from the fullness. It's our choice on what, how our ground is. Are we cultivating our ground daily to make it the healthy, healthiest dirt? I know um, years ago, someone from here, uh, Suzanne Martin, went with me to a ladies' conference in Illinois, and we're, she's from the South, and we were riding along. And in Illinois, where I'm from, the dirt is really rich soil. It is black. It's got so many great nutrients in it. And she saw the dirt out there. She, she goes, what is that? Is that dirt? Because in places where she's seen dirt, it doesn't have that richness. That's how our hearts need to be. We need to have our ground be that rich soil that has all the nutrients in it to do the best possible receiving. Amen. Amen. All right. And so as we go on, we don't want to let the deceitfulness of riches or the cares of this world choke that from becoming fruitful in our life. And then verse 23, but he that receives the seed into good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, and bears that fruit. Now, it's a little bit of a twist on that, on talking about the ground, isn't it? But you have to make sure that you don't allow yourself to walk in offense, that you don't allow yourself to be in a place of consistent unforgiveness, that you don't allow yourself to be meditating on the problems, meditating on the cares of life. They're there. Those things that challenge us, those, those tough situations can choke that from you. Now, let's go back to that word offense. I want to talk for a second about forgiveness. We all know that in Mark, it tells us when you pray, stand, believe that you receive, right? You can speak to the mountain. Well, let's go over there and read it so you can mark it in your Bible if you don't have it marked. Mark chapter 11. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things with he, which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Stay right there. So let's speak to that mountain this morning of that pain. If you have pain in your body, I speak to that pain in my knee. I speak to that pain in my back. I speak to that headache. I'm speaking to that mountain. And here's what it says. I believe I receive my healing. It promises we'll have it. Amen. But go on. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. We really like that, don't we? All I have to do is believe. Yep. All you have to do is believe. That's a great thing. And we've learned over the last few days, when the symptoms are still there, we have to see ourselves completely healed. Everybody stops there. <laughs> we tend to, anyway, some of us. And verse 25 in the King James starts with the word and, and that's a connector. When we connect two, two verses together, they go together like peanut butter and jelly or macaroni and cheese or spaghetti and meatballs. They go together. So, and when you stand praying, what's it say? Forgive. Forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. This is one of those things, if we don't forgive, we are offended at people and we choke off the seed that's been planted regarding what we're learning. Amen. It's not an easy thing to hear, is it? I have to forgive the person that mistreated me the worst of anything in life. You're kidding me, right? I'm just going to tell on myself. I thought early on in, in being a Christian, that, that you forgive people 
because they didn't know any better. It was really easy for me to forgive somebody that, that wasn't saved because they didn't know you were supposed to walk in love. That's how I rationalized it. So then when it came time to forgive somebody that was a Christian, it was really hard for me because they should know better. They should know better to not steal from you or they should know better to not say bad things or whatever it is. So I had to really get a revelation of what forgiveness meant. Forgiveness, you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you to help you forgive. You don't do that in the natural. Forgiveness doesn't even make sense, does it? We, we have to love people with the divine love of God, not the human love. The human love is selfish. It's all about, oh, you're so, you look so nice, we're in love, blah, 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 right? The divine love of God helps us love. Same way, the divine power of the Holy Ghost helps us forgive. We have to get a hold of that. So when we truly forgive, we get out of that focus of being offended, and it helps us walk in love, and it, and it frees us up to receive the fullness of all God has for us. So I'll tell you a little story, not to embarrass him, but when Tanner was about three or four, probably, probably four, um, there was some wood where we, at a place that we were, we were at, a house, and I said, and they were playing outside with no shoes. I said, don't walk over there. You might get a splinter. Okay? That was all that was said. So the next day, he's going down the hallway like this. So I knew he had a splinter in his foot, and he didn't tell me about it. And so we did, doctored it up, got the splinter out. By that time, the next day, that little precious skin had, had grown over, just a layer of skin, and so it hurt. We had to peel it back to get the splinter out. It was an itty-bitty splinter. So the Lord showed me that that is just like unforgiveness. Y'all have had a splinter before, right? Okay, it hurts, doesn't it? The quicker you get it out, the quicker it mends. Now, in all the many hundreds of basketball games I've watched him play since then, it almost always comes up. Think of how this would be if that splinter was still in his little baby foot. As he's grown to be a man, what if that splinter was still there? He might not even have his leg because it could have gotten infected. So the longer we had, could have left that splinter in there, the more it's going to affect what? His entire body. That day when he was, I think he was four, he, was, he would be sitting and watching TV. It wouldn't hurt, but when he got up and tried to use, get a hold of this, tried to function as he was supposed to, fulfill what he was supposed to be, a little boy playing and walking outside, it wouldn't work right. That splinter had to go. So when we truly and honestly say, I forgive you, I forgive you, even it, not even saying, saying it to the person, but on the inside, it, it, it's about you on the inside, forgiving the person, making a decision to forgive, it's just like taking that splinter out. Now let's think about our hearts. If I had that splinter in, our, in my heart, so to speak, every time that person's name came up, it'd be like pushing on that splinter. And that hurts, doesn't it? It hurts to put, to put pressure on that splinter. And the more it got infected, the, you'd have to have surgery. Well, you can have spiritual surgery on your heart to have the Holy Ghost help you forgive and not be offended. It's a supernatural thing. Because as I said, in the natural, forgiveness isn't, isn't even a thing you want to do. You just want to kill somebody, <laughs> right? You just want to be like, nope, I'll be happy. You're just out of my life. Just forget it. But that's not what the Word tells us. Amen. And so in getting that splinter out, you know what's happening? 
it's healing a broken heart. And over in, let's, let's look at that in Psalm, Psalm 147. Psalm 147, verse 3. Now we're connecting it to healing. He heals the brokenhearted. And brokenhearted here translates as a pain in an emotional way. Um, it literally means bruised, uh, destroyed, hurt, bringing hurt. He heals the brokenhearted. So yes, we're talking, we've talked about cancer, pain in knees. We've talked about backs hurting. We've talked about those physical things. But he heals emotions. He's the healer of emotions. And if we allow ourselves over here, and yeah, but I just feel like this, and they hurt my feelings, and wah, 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 wah. We're not over here where our focus needs to be on the word. Get free of unforgiveness. It can very much hinder things. You know, um, in many cases, the scientific world has caught up to the Bible in many cases and said, oh, did you know you can change your thoughts? We learned that the other day. After all, yeah, it tells us in the Bible you can change your thoughts. But they're like, oh, in science it shows that you can do that. Yes, we know that already. Same thing with unforgiveness. Many cases of sickness, many cases of sickness, they've found after digging into talking to people and looking at this and looking at that, the root of it is they haven't forgiven somebody. And it causes pain in our body, literally causes cancer, all of these kinds of things. Have you forgiven? Make sure you have. Here's, here's what I always tell the students at Raymond when we talk about this. Here's the thing that you do to check yourself. When you hear that person's name, do you feel at peace? When you hear that person's name, do you feel peace or do you feel, oh, you haven't forgiven them? When you see them walking down the street, you're, you're in the grocery store and you see that person, do you turn and go down the baby food aisle even though you don't have babies? Come on. If you're avoiding them, we have to be in unity. We have to be in unity. Tad says it all the time. There's two people. There's the body of Christ, there's people that are saved, and there's people that aren't saved, and those are the people that the reason that we're still here. It's not, oh, well, those are people that I've not forgiven. I'm not, you know, I'm not in relationship with them. You don't have to spend 24-7 with them. But if you need to forgive somebody, you need to take care of that. It gets your ground cultivated so that the best possible results can happen in life. Amen. Forgiveness that surgery, imagine that splinter in his foot. If he hadn't told me and we let it go and go and go, imagine we'd have to have surgery. And they'd have to do what? Put stitches in there to help it grow back. So sometimes if we've got it deep down, it, it may take a while. God can do supernatural spiritual surgery on your heart and help you heal the brokenhearted. Don't let it go. It, and it may be from years and years and years ago, and you've just pushed it down. And every time you hear the person's name, it's like, ooh. Don't let that affect your life. Amen? So as I said, we were going to be a little short this morning, but I felt like those things needed to be said. All right. Handing off the baton. I was going to talk about the different methods from, from the Word to, to uh, receive healing, but I think I'm going to change. Let's talk about how to minister healing to others. And uh, I want us to go to John chapter 14. I started, I started thinking about 
you know, different things about ministry and, and how Jesus is our example. And, you know, sometimes even still, I mean, after uh, you can be in the Word and, and do so much that, uh, in fact, I don't even need this now, do, um, that you still, there's a, in ministry, we still separate ourselves from Jesus and He doesn't from us. In other words, we're expected to do ministry the way he did it because he did it as a man. All right. Now, I know there's some th- statements about John made a statement that Jesus, God gave him the spirit without measure. And in a sense, you know, he's the only one that will ever be an apostle and a prophet, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. I mean, he's the only one that's going to be in that class. But in saying that he has the spirit without measure, that almost makes it sound like we have a limited amount of the Holy Ghost. And how do you limit the Holy Ghost? All right? The Holy Ghost is, gonna, is the Holy Ghost. Now, we have different callings, and in the callings, you can understand that. Okay? But in ministry, it's interesting here what Jesus said. I, I want you to, it, it's, we'll start in John 14. Again, I, I have, I've been living in the Gospel of John for probably, oh, I don't know, Tanner, how long, we, a couple years, we've been talking about these things, and, and uh, really it was these young guys that kind of got me going this way and talking to some other ministers about this. Uh, now, I'll, I'll say this, you cannot negate the faith of the person you're ministering to. All right, they have to have faith, they need to receive it. But yet, we need to understand our part and our role in this and, and to see ourselves in ministry. I think this, this, not just, this is not just about healing. This is about doing the works of Jesus, okay? And what were those works? He went and he taught in their synagogues. He preached the gospel of the kingdom, which is evangelism, and he healed. Those three things. In fact, the teaching and preaching ministry of Jesus is mentioned more in the four gospels than, than the healing part, all right? We just happen to be talking about that, centering up on healing now. Uh, you know, I was thinking how easy it is to let these things slip and let these things get to where uh, they're no longer common to us anymore, that it's just uh, that he- healing. I- I, uh, in Acts 19, there were, remember where they took handkerchiefs and aprons from the body of Paul, laid upon the sick and the disease? It said there, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of that was a special, I guess all the other miracles were just normal miracles. This one was a special miracle. Well, in the early church, it, that's the way, miracles were normal. Well, how come they're not normal to us today? Well, maybe we're not believing for them. Maybe we're not expecting them. Okay? Same God, same Holy Ghost. But here, John 14, and uh, he, Philip said, you believe, you know, if you, Father, show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now look at verse 10. He said, do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father's in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father." Now, sometimes we'll stop there and say, well, how many believers we have in here? Well, people raise their hand, and they'll say, well, we'll say, well, then you can do the works. But he's very specific in what it is we're supposed to believe. He said, 
the Father, he said, he said believe me, the, in, in verse 10, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. He says that, he said, believe that. Then he gets down to verse 11 again, and he says, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. Now drop back to chapter 10 here for just a minute. We're going to, let's follow this. Uh, there's two, I believe there's two, two key things here that Jesus, Jesus says, all right, in the Gospel of John concerning how he did things. And this is the first one, that the Father was in him and that he was in the Father. Now, if we're going to do the works that he did, we have to do, we have to be, it has to be available to us the same thing that he had, Right? If I'm going to do your works, Jesus, I've got to have the same thing that you had. All right, here's this relationship aspect. The Father's in him, and he's in the Father. And in saying that, what Jesus is saying, we're one. We're one. We're going to see that. Now, here in John chapter 10, okay, uh, in verse 25, Jesus said, they're asking him how he's doing these things. Are you the Christ? Verse 25, he said, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. All right? So you notice here. The works that I do in the Father's name. And they got mad because he called, he called him and his Father the same. Let's keep reading. He says, but you believe not because you're not my sheep. And I, as I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's a great confession, by the way. The head of our prayer school, she says that all the time. I know the voice of the Father. I know the voice of the Father and I follow him. And he says, and I give them and I give unto them eternal life and they p- never perish. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And then that made him mad. They took up stones they are going to kill him because he said he made himself equal with God by saying that God was his father. Well, you know, Tanner talked about it, was it last night? That the word father means to proceed from. A father, we proceed from the father. Well, what, you know, everything from the beginning of time produces after its own likeness. We are in the image of God. And when we call, when we say father God, Abba, Father, you know, as the, in the, you know, the Hebrew says there. When we say that, we're saying that we are like God because he's our Father. Okay? And so he says, they ask, he, Jesus said, are you going to, well, he said, from what are the good works are you going to stone me? And then look what he gets down here in verse uh, uh, 37. He said, if I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. So this aspect, all right, go back to John chapter 5. This aspect of the Father, him being in the Father, and the Father being in him, is vital to what Jesus has done and is doing. That relationship. He said, I and the Father are one. Well, are we one with God? See, in order for us to be able to do that, then, then we have to have that same relationship with the Father that Jesus had with the Father. It has to be available to us, or I can't do the works you did, Jesus. But he said, believe me. See, believe that the Father's in me, and I'm in him. 
because that's going to that's going to you know come to bear. So here in chapter 5 of John we'll start in verse 7. Uh, Jesus said, "My father works and hitherto and I work." So notice here he's he's putting himself in this relationship with the father. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because not only had he broken the sabbath but said also that God was his father making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For what, the, what things soever he does, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Now, again, I mean, we know some things. We're going to take some things for granted here just for time's sake. We don't, so we don't, but we could run the Scriptures and show... Uh, well, in fact, hold, hold your finger here. Go to 1 John chapter 3 with me, the, the, the epistle of John back here. 1 John chapter 3. Okay. What did, he, what did he say here? He said, The Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does and will show him greater things. So we have, we have this statement from Jesus that the Father will show His Son what He's supposed to do and even greater things than what you're even seeing now, the Father will show the Son. Well, didn't that sound, Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these? So evidently, the Father will show His children what it is they're to do. That's why, you know, you don't minister to everybody the same way. You don't, you don't, you know, just because, well, you know, just because, and sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll deal with people just because someone had lower back pain, you grow, you don't always have to sit them down in a chair and grow, have their, have their legs grow out, right? You can minister to people all kinds of different ways. Why did Jesus, why did Jesus come up to a blind man, get him some dirt, spit in it, make mud and stick it in his eye? We only have, we only have a count that he did that one time. But if that had been a lot of Christians, you know, we'd have started the Here's Mud in Your Eye Evangelistic Association. We've been sticking mud in every, everything, you know. Oh, you got, a, you got a sore back? Well, here, let me make some mud, and I'd slap mud, you know, just because it worked one time. But he's, Jesus did that because the Father showed him. Now look here in 1 John 3, verse 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called, that we should be called the the sons of God, therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Now let me say this, that's a genderless term here. That's a position in God, not a gender. So he talks about son of God. He's talking about that position in God. Beloved, now, now, he says, are we the sons of God? Now, not when we get to heaven, now. So guess what? The Father loves you, and he wants to show you the things that you must do. And show, you, and show you even greater things to come. If he did it with Jesus and were to do those works, then he's going to show us. And what did Jesus say? It's the Father in me does the work. So guess who's going to do the work in you? It's going to be the Father. I'm not going to heal anybody, but the Father in me is going to do the work. He did it through Jesus. He wants to do it through you. Amen. That's what you see when we go out, we go out and we take these teams. We go out and do street ministry. Uh, what, one of the things we talk to them about and. And uh, it's the confidence that God's in you. God's in you. 
And when you're ministering to somebody, it's not you. It's God that's going to raise them. It's God that's going to heal them right now. It's God that's going to do it. He's in you and you're in him. See, that same relationship of having God in us. Okay? Well, go back to John, uh, John chapter 14. And Jesus, you know, that was a concept. That was, that was something that was hidden. That was the mystery that was hidden. Remember Colossians chapter 1? This mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The, the idea that God would come and inhabit man, you know, that was, that was a mystery, hidden. In, 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 even though it was God's plan the entire time, it was hidden. And so the, there's a great revelation of Paul. But if you look closely, we start to see Jesus mentioning these things to us. That this was going to happen. So here in this chapter, he talked about uh, uh, whatever you ask in my name. And if you keep my commandments, then the Holy Ghost is coming. Then look down here in verse 20. All right, this is after he said, after he said a little while, you're not going to see him. He says, at that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now here he starts talking about this, that He's going to come and be in us. Who's in him? The Father. He's in us and we're in him. Now go over to John 17. So knowing that, knowing that, you ever, did you ever see Jesus uh, and hesitate in any situation? No sickness, no disease. I mean, that leper that came to him that's recorded in Mark chapter 1. Uh, I like Mark's account of it just because it's, he, he comes to him, and, and this, I mean, leprosy, you don't mess with leprosy. I mean, it's a contagious type disease, and this leper comes to him and said, he said, I know you can heal me, I just don't know if you will. I mean, that's how we would say it today. He said, I don't know if you're willing, but I know you're able to. And Jesus said, I am willing, and reached out and touched the man. See, there's no, hesita- there's no hesitation in there because one, one thing that happens is you start spending time with God the Father and there's a compassion. Jesus moved with compassion and ministered to people. I mean, I've had, I, I've had instances that that takes place. You know, you got somebody standing in front of you and you say, well, what do you, what do you need? Well, I'm HIV. I've got AIDS. You know, and you're in, you know, just the compassion, the compassion of God and you... And before you know it, I've reached out, I've grabbed him, I'm hugging him, praying him. I'm not just laying hands on him, I got him pulled up close to me, okay? You know, and it's hot and we're sweating, they're sweating and I'm sweating, you know, and we're just, but the compassion of God just rises up. There's no hesitation there. And when you know that God's in you and you're in God, there's a fearlessness that comes there. Now look here in John 17. He talks about this relationship again. He pray, uh, Jesus in verse 20 said, Neither pray I for these alone. In other words, not just for these that were, not just for the disciples that were there at that day, alive then. He said, But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Well, one way or another, all of us have believed on Jesus through the eyewitnesses that he's, he's talking about there. So he's just included you and I in this prayer. So Jesus is praying for us. You ready? That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in in thee, or I'm in you. 
that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and and these have known that you have sent me. I have declared unto them your name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now this is... This is the beginning here. And you understand when John writes this gospel. Now Jesus here, obviously, Jesus is saying this... uh, before Paul ever got the revelation of what it means to be in Christ, okay? But Jesus is staying. Now, none of the other uh, writers picked, uh, mentioned these type of things, but you realize John's writing now, after Paul, Paul's already been put to death, he's preached all over, uh, Peter's gone. John's the last one. It's, it's 100 A.D., and he's still there, and he's writing this, you know, in that time period, the late 90s and early 100 A.D., he's writing this gospel, and he, he by, by inspiration of God, he ties, he ties what Jesus said into the Pauline revelation, all right? That Pauline revelation of what it means to be in Christ. He said, look, Jesus talked about this. This thing that's revolutionizing the world, Jesus talked about this too, and here's what he said, all right? So he prayed that we would have that same oneness that what? The fa- that he has with the Father. He said, the Father and I, we're one. Because I'm in him. And he, and he said, Father, I want them to be one in us. That same unity. So you can see there then that if, he said, he said I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. Believe that. Or if you don't believe that, believe me for the works. He said, it's because of that that I'm doing all these things that you see. It's because of that that I'm healing every sickness and every disease. It's because of that that there's no one recorded that ever came to Jesus and he sent them away without them being healed. Everything that he did, he did because the Father was in him and he was in the Father and they're one. Now he, Jesus would say the Father is greater than all. See, he always gave praise to the Father. He never took credit for doing anything. So that, and you can see then, just, you know, as we just looked at it, we have that same relationship with the, with the Father. He's in us. We're in Him. So there's that aspect. The other aspect that I see from the Gospel of John is that it's over 40 times Jesus mentions that He was sent by the Father. What does that mean? Commissioned by the Father. Came forth, or that He came forth from the Father. Now, we're, we're, we're God's children. You're God's child just as much as Jesus is. And is in that sense, we came, we're, we've come forth from the Father. He sent us, all right? So let's, let's back up here and go back to chapter 5 again. Let's look at this. All right. Uh, let's read verse 19 again. Start there. Jesus said, answered and said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For whatsoever thing He does, these also the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that Himself does, and will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. 
For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them or gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son honors not the Father which has sent Him. Now let me, say, let me make a statement here. Man and I went here a few years ago to, uh, to uh, Brazil, and I was going to teach in three of, their, three of their schools. They have a third-year program, the ministry schools. And they had, uh, and so we, the, but the very first place we went, they had a note in the room. Welcome to, you know, and it, it was printed up and from them. They said, the anointing we honor is the anointing we receive from. And we honor you. Thank you for being here. And I got to thinking about that. What you, what you honor, you value. Okay? You value. And you place an importance upon it. But what you dishonor, you devalue. And Jesus over and over talked about if you, if you, don't, if you don't honor the Son, you've dishonored, you, you're not honoring the Father. You can't say, I honor the Father and dis, give dishonor to the Son. And you will not receive from what you fail to give honor to. If you give honor to something, you can receive from it. But if you fail to honor it, you won't receive from it. Okay? Now, we can just go back and think about, think about even in a, if you can think back that far, but think about sitting in a classroom, even in high school, okay? If you didn't like the teacher, you didn't learn anything in that class. Because why? You didn't give the proper honor. Honor is an important thing with God. That's why he said, children, honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. What you honor, you'll receive from. So what we, if we honor the Word of God, we'll receive from it. See, if we honor what's said, if we give honor to where Jesus talked about, give honor to whom honors do, all right, give respect. He talked about that in the natural. Those elected officials, even though we may not, but if we give them honor, they're a, they can be a blessing to us. But if you dishonor, that's what gets so many people in trouble. They might have done something. They get pulled over by the police. Instead of honoring the police officer, they, get, they start dishonor. They bring dishonor, and they want to argue, and they, want to do, and they get themselves in trouble. That's a good way to end up, you know, with a few black eyes and end up in, in jail. And then, you know, you're upset. Well, you started it because of your dishonor. Okay? I, I, wanted, I think that's important that we point that out there, that he that honors. All right, but I wanted to get down here. He said, he that honors not the Son honors not the Father, which has sent him. Which has sent him. It's like that in the local church. You know, if, if Pastor Pat, you know, if he sends Cody to the hospital to visit somebody, he's, Cody's going on behalf of Pastor Pat, and really on behalf of the entire Family Worship Center church, okay? But if, he's not, if the person there doesn't receive him, then you can't do anything. You can't help that person. I've seen it over and over. Well, I wanted, you know, I wanted the pastor to come. Well, you know, the pastor, he can't, you know, he come when he can. But see, when that honor's there, it doesn't matter who comes, right? You might as well just say, well, I wanted Jesus to come. Well, Jesus sent me. Well, that's not good enough. Well, if you dishonored me, you've dishonored the Lord. You, you get that? And you've got to understand that in ministering to him. You can't, if there's a lack of honor there, I don't care how anointed you are, you can't override that in people's life, right? You can't override. You can't make anybody get healed. 
But it's interesting, sinners, it's interesting, sinners, you walk up to them, like we've seen on, in the street, you walk up to them and say, is anybody here in pain? Can we pray for you? It's amazing the honor they give. And they honor you, and they receive. It's amazing. Part of it has to do with this honor, okay? I don't know why I don't usually spend that much time talking about that. But he said, the Father has sent me. He goes on in verse 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, they hear my voice, and hear my word, and believe on him that sent me has everlasting life. So if we, if we hear his words and we believe on him that sent him, we have that everlasting life. We've been talking about that life that's in it. And shall not come to condemnation, but is passed from death to life. He gets over there in verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Verse 36. But I have a greater witness than that, that of John for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself which has sent me has borne witness of me. For, he neither, for you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And you have not his word abiding in you. For whom he, he has sent him you believe not. And over and over this theme. I mean you can go back. I've marked them all in here in my Bible. And uh, uh, you know it, go, it, it really starts there in John 3. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world see, to condemn the world. Now how many of you know this? People that don't believe that, God, that Jesus was sent by God, how many of you know they're not rece- they, they reject Him as Lord and Savior, don't they? I know in uh, the summer of 1983, I got to go to Israel. And we had this one guy, we had Muslim guides the whole time we were there, which is kind of interesting because they kind of get the Bible stories a little mixed up, you know, and put them together. But the, one, the, one, the second one we had, his name was David. And he was interested in, you know, he had two sons and going to university there in Oklahoma City area at that time. And I got to talk to him because I was in between first and second year at Rama, And so I was talking about Oklahoma and he talked. And so I asked him uh, there, we were at, uh, they call it St. Peter's of Galakunta, which is a a church that was supposed to be at the high priest's house where Peter denied Jesus three times, okay? And so I asked him, I said, who do you Muslims, who do you say that Jesus is? Oh, he was a, a prophet. He was a good man and a prophet. Uh, I said, so, I said, okay. I said, uh, oh, what do you believe? Do you believe he was the son of God? Oh, no, no. I said, well, he said he was the son of God. So let me ask you a question then. If you say he was a good man and a prophet, then what you're telling me is for the Muslim, and I put it right back on him, I said for the Muslim, good men can be liars. He looked at me, he got this look on his face, and he said famous words, you know, that people tell you, I'll have to get back with you on that. I'm still waiting. It's 1983, and I'm still waiting for him to get back with me on that. But... (laughs) He just he got the strangest look on his face. But see, if you don't believe that he was that Jesus was sent by the Father, go back, go to chapter six. All right. Let's keep up this theme. See, all right, what's our first point? The Father's in me and I'm in him. Jesus said that. Well, do we have that? Yes, we have that relationship, right? He's in us. We're in him. All right, here in John 6. Uh Look at verse uh, 30, 
he, Jesus is talking about the bread, eating the bread of life. Look at verse uh, 35. Jesus said, I am, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father has given me, all the Father has given me shall come to me. And him that comes to me I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all of which he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again that last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. Uh, Verse 44, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Keep, if you keep uh, reading in this chapter, you know, he talks about, uh, in verse 57, the living Father has sent me. Okay, over and over and over again. Okay, we could just keep going, but we make the point, right? The Father sent Jesus. Now, notice with that, let's bring this over to us. Verse 38, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but what? The will of him that sent me. Right? He said it, over, he said it in chapter 5 again. I, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. So in ministering healing, for us, for us to do the works of Jesus, we just can't be doing our own thing. We're not rogue agents here. We are sent by the Father. The Father is in, is in control of us. Okay? I know... I know, you know, it, got com- it gets comical sometimes in churches, bless their hearts, you know. You're here, so I'm preaching to the choir, all right? But, you know, you don't know how, you just can't imagine how many people will show up and say, God sent me here. And three weeks later, you can't find him. It's like God's a schizophrenic. I told him one time, I said, I said I'm just going to, the next one that comes in and says, God sent us here, I'm going to punch him right in the nose, just right there, and it, 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 we're going to prove whether or not God really sent him. Because if God sent you, I don't care what that happens to you, how they treat you, if they receive you, don't receive you, if God sent you, you're going to stay. Amen. Right? Amen. And it just, it's just comical. I don't know, God, some people's God must be schizophrenic, he's bipolar, I don't know what the case is, God needs medication because he changes his mind all the time. Right? You know what I'm saying. But if we're going to minister the way Jesus, Jesus said, I'm not, here, I'm not here to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So we've established, we've pretty much established that he, we're in the Father, but are we sent? Let's see if there's any, any evidence of that. We'll go back to John 17. I know as ministering along these lines, I had a long, I mean, I had... Did I do three sessions? Three sessions of, huh, in Brazil. And we had 800 ministers in there going along this. This was my assignment. God gave me this assignment to teach this. And we went over it and over it and over it. And when I got to this point on the last night, I mean, we had us a good, we had us a Holy Ghost uh, shout because, you know, so much of the time, if you're not care, you, you, you get, when you, when you are doing what God told you to do, you get, you know, you face obstacles. Jesus faced, you know, persecution. They wanted to stone him because he said he was, he was one with the Father. But listen, if you know God sent you, all you got to say is, all you got to do is stand up and tell the devil, that's it, devil. 
You're not, I'm not swaying. I'm here not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. God sent me to this town. God sent me to this church. I'm not leaving until God sends me somewhere else. So you might as well just go somewhere else and bother somebody else. Amen. Look here in John 17. Jesus said in verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Set them apart. Now, what do we mean by sanctify? It doesn't mean, you know, it, it has to do with holiness, but he's not talking. Sanctify literally means to set apart. Have you ever taken, you ever got some cash and you took some of it and you kind of hid it somewhere because you want to just keep it? You've sanctified that money. It's set apart. Now, to be sanctified by God is to be set apart for divine purpose. Set apart. He said sanctify. Them. How, now, how does he do it? With his word. The more word, the more time we spend in his word, the more that we look to what he has to say in his word. It sets us apart. How many of you are set apart from what you used to be? I mean, before you, you know, you know what I'm saying. Before, but not, uh, you know, where you were and every, every, every time we spend, times in the, in the, spend time in the word, it sets us apart from who we were. It sanctifies us more. All right. Now look at verse 18. As you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Now look at that. Even have I also sent them. And he goes on here, how many times in here does he talk about how he was sent by the Father and how this applies to us now. So Jesus said, I've sent them. Let's look at one more verse, chapter 21. Now remember, he, that, that includes us in that prayer because he said, Father, I, I want you know, not only these here, but all those that should believe through their word. You see, when you know, when, when you're, I, I kind of say it this way, uh, I don't ever pray, Father, you know, I, I don't pray whether or not it's God's will for me to go anywhere. Because I've already got to go ye. I pray, God, is this your timing? Is this the right time? Because I don't have to pay. He already said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. All right? So, you know, I, I kind of have taken it. Anytime I get in, to have that opportunity, I, I pretty much go, unless I hear it's not the right time. Well, I know, for instance, this, uh, uh, they, the, the head of our ministry department, he wanted me to lead the trip to Peru. Our team's there. They're there now. They're on the, in the Amazon, right on the Amazon River in Iquitos. Uh, ministry, and we've had great trips to Peru in the past, and uh, I, I just skipped, as, as I looked, I said, no, no, it's not what I'm supposed to do during this time. I believe we're sent, we were sent here. This is, this is God's divine appointment, all right? But it's go, but it's, it's what's the timing, where, that type of thing. Now, here in, in John chapter 20, I'm sorry, I said 21, but John 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now notice that. Both places he says, Father, just as I have been sent by you, I'm sending them. Here he says it to them. As the Father sent me, I'm sending them. Just as. Just as. So the two things that Jesus, that John brought up in this gospel that Jesus said over and over again, that that he was, the Father was in him, and I'm in the Father, and that he was sent by God. See, he knew who he was then. That's what that's about. you got to know who you, what your purpose is. I'm sent by the Father. 
See, the Bible says that our citizenship is of heaven. You know right now you could live in heaven, your spirit. All right? You, you're welcome there. That's your home. But we're still here on the earth. Why? Why, when you get born again, did you stay here? Because God's got to, He's sending us. Because it's in over. He's got to get this message out. He's got to pre- the gospel has to be preached. So we're still here for a divine purpose. But we belong in heaven. That's why he calls us ambassadors. You think about an ambassador. Any, any place in the, that, our, that our country has an embassy, we have an ambassador there. Now, all of the needs of that ambassador, it, it, they re, they're there to represent the United States of America. And literally, they represent our, the president of the United States of America. And all of their needs are taken care of by the country that sends them, or the United States. Uh, the ambassador in Kenya, the Kenyans don't pay him a dime. They don't, they don't give him anything. It all comes from the United States, all right? The same is true with us. We don't have to look. We can, all of our provision can come from the Father. We start thinking about that. Father, you've sent me here. I'm doing your will. I'm your child. I'm an ambassador here. I thank you. That's why I said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If we stay on kingdom business and on task and remember our purpose, then he's going to take care of all things. And, you know, those, I mean, those ambassadors, they live well. They get, t- I mean, they, they get driven around in nice cars, you know. They get to... I mean, they they get taken care of well. God wants to take care of us well, all right? But we're sent by the Father. Now, one other aspect here that I want to show in John 14, and then then I want to challenge you to look through the book of Acts and see if if the early church, same church we're part of, didn't use these three things. Because I looked at it and said, okay, uh, at first, when I first looked to do the works, what, I asked this, Lord, what tools or what, weapons, if you will. You can say it either way. But what tools did you give us to do those works with? What tools? What did we give? Now, see, that's before I saw this other understanding, yeah, well, you got tools, but you know, if you don't know your right and you don't know the authority that you have, you don't know your relationship with the Father, sometimes you're a little hesitant. Okay? I don't know how many times I remember uh, growing up, my dad said, here, you know, do that, take that off or do something like that, and I'd be pulling on it. But, you know, I didn't really know how hard I could pull on it because I didn't want to break it, you know. But he'd say, here, let me show you. And he'd grab it. Man, he'd just like, like he's going to rip that thing off there. He said, you got to put a little, you got you to lean on it a little bit. Well, I didn't have the confidence to lean on it because I didn't know if I was going to get in trouble if the thing broke. I didn't know how, but he knew the pressure it could take. All right? See, I lacked confidence because I didn't have, I didn't have relationship there with my dad in that certain arena. Well, if we haven't spent time with God through his word and in prayer especially, time just fellowshipping with him, not where we're asking him necessarily for anything, but we're spending time with him to get to know him and he's going to show us things. You know, a lot of times, uh, uh, that's, a lot of times uh, that's how we minister. We just, whatever God shows us, that's how we do it. You know, like I said, sometimes, you, sometimes you're going to lay hands on people. Sometimes you're just going to say in Jesus' name, receive your healing. I know here, oh, it's been several months ago, but it's teaching along the lines of the power of the name of Jesus. And, uh, and I hadn't planned on it that night, but, but uh, I just said, who, who here has, you, you're, you got sickness in your body? I said, no, I don't want anybody to touch him. Nobody touch him. I said, just stand up. Just stand up. 
I think the sermon title that night was, What Else Do We Need? What else, there's, what's that song that says something about what else do we need in the name of Jesus? Something, there's a song. We had sung it that night, and I got up after that and ministered. And I, I, and I just said to them, they were standing there, and I was led by the Lord to do it. They were just kind of, they kind of got quiet. And I just hollered the name of Jesus at the top of my voice. I mean, people, they fell out under the power. They rose up. I had, who, who's healed? Several people instantly healed just by the name of Jesus. Now, why did I do it that way? Oh, I heard the, I saw the Father. I saw it on the inside first. How did I see? By the Father. The Father showed it to me because he loves me. And not only does he love me, but he loves those people. And that was his way of ministering to those people. But here in John 14, I saw something. Now, you look throughout the book of Acts, and you're going to see these three things in prominence. You'll see it over and over. In fact, I had gone through the book of Acts and actually used a different, and marked these things ahead of time. I mean, uh, before, before I saw some of these other things, because I, I, the importance of it to me. So in verse 12, he said, The works that I do shall you do also, because, uh, uh, and greater works than these shall, I always said you, because it's to me, because I go unto my Father. Now verse 13, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. He gave us his name, the name of Jesus. And over and over and over in the book of Acts, they spoke the name of Jesus. In the silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they talked about it through his name. Through faith in this name has given this man complete soundness in the presence of you all. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Over and over, they told him, don't preach anymore in that name. And they went out and said, you know, we're going to obey you or we're going to obey God. And over and over throughout the book of Acts, they used the name. We have the right to use the name of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. The name of Jesus will do what Jesus would do if he was standing there, right there. That name will do it because he's given us the authority. In my name, cast out devils. In my name, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because the name will do what he would do. It's the power of attorney. That's why it's so important that we understand the believer's authority, what authority we have been delegated to us. All right? We have authority to use that name. When we, uh, when we moved away from here in 2000, we, it took a little while to get our house sold, but uh, we signed a power of attorney to Mr. John Barry. He represented us at the closing. We didn't have, he signed for us, uh, but it was just as his, because we had, he had a signed document from us that gave him the right to do that, and he acted on our behalf. Whatever he said, we gave him the authority to say whatever he did, he did on our behalf, and it was, as, it was as if we were there. You understand? That's what it is when we use the name of Jesus. It's as if Jesus was there speaking. We just say in his name. Notice what he said. He said, whatever you ask, in my name, I will do. He's not talking about prayer here, really. He's talking about whatever you declare in my name, I will do it. Whatever you demand in my name, I will do it. Over in chapter 16, he says, ask the Father in his name. All right? Then verse 15, he said, if you love me, keep his commandment. He gave us his word, the word of God, the word. And the word of God multiplied, and many disciples were added. It talks about it throughout the book of Acts. And there they preached the word. They preached the gospel. The Word, the Word, the Word. Everything we do needs to be based on the Word of God. Everything we do based on God's Word. The Word is truth. It, it, is, it, is, 
You just can't, again, stress the importance of staying with the Word. What does the Word say about it? What does the Word? Every op, every, everything that happens, it's just another opportunity to prove that the Word of God works. It works. You consistently apply it, it'll work. Now, you know, sometimes we have a we have an instant, we have a drive-through mentality. I'm just going to drive through here, give my order, and this is going to pop out here in another window. It's going to pop out. No, it's the consistent application. The Word of God builds a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, you know. It's not a, the Word of God is, and the name of Jesus is not some magic wand. It's not, it's not a, a lottery type power. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, you know, well, here, use the name and you it, it's just all gonna. It's gonna happen, but you got to consistently apply it. And over and over in the book of Acts, you see that. And then finally, verse sixteen. And I will pray the Father, and He'll give you another Comforter that He may, He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth. He gave us the Holy Ghost, the mighty Holy Ghost. Greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. And you see throughout. It, the, you know, throughout them in the in the book of Acts, they're led by the Holy Ghost. You can see the power of the Holy Ghost. They made it. They made it a priority to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know, Paul came to the, at Ephesus and said, "Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?" And that group of believers grew up in the same church I grew up. Said, I, "We didn't even know if there was a Holy Ghost or not." Right? And he said, "Well, what were you baptized?" They said, "John's baptism." He said, "Well, that's a baptism to repentance." And they were baptized in the name of Jesus and received the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, I know. At one time, I was. Uh, I was up at my brother-in-law's church there in Illinois before he was now down in Girard. And the Lord started talking. He said, you know, you've become ashamed of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I said, what do you mean I'm ashamed of the baptism? I preach, I speak in tongues all the time. He said, when's the last time you gave anybody an opportunity in one of your services to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And I got to thinking about it. It's been a long time. Well, I knew, see, I knew what the Lord was doing to me because I knew that my my American Baptist granny was going to be in that service that night. I knew she, was going to, she came to all the services. But uh, now the, the testimony is not that, you know, I don't know, I don't know you can move her out of, the, out of her seat to do anything. She loved the Lord, but she's not going to come up front to get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you that right now. But I, did, I gave the invitation tonight, and we had several people get baptized with the Holy Ghost, speak with tongues right there. Didn't, we didn't have to send them, just laying hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. But I'd become, and I thought, I said, Lord, what do you mean, what do you mean ashamed? He said, you don't even mention it anymore. It's not in any, you don't talk about it. You don't give people an opportunity. You've become ashamed of it. He really, he really dealt with me. Seriously, he said, I'm, he said, I want people to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why I sent, I sent the Holy Ghost. And so you can see throughout the book of Acts the power, and thank God for the Holy Ghost today. Thank God for him. He leads us and guides us. Leads us into the truth. Even shows us things to come. Now let me say this about the Holy Ghost. I love this. If you turn over to chapter 16, I want to read one thing about, about this. I really don't know how people make it today without, without the Holy Ghost. Without being able to pray in tongues. And, just, and then have the Spirit lead you, you know. I, I just don't know how they're making it out there. It's got to be, it's got to be an immense struggle. I'm just so, I guess because I'm so used to having the Holy Ghost now. But it's just, praise the Lord. All right, he said in verse 13 of John 16, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he'll guide you into all the truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Verse 14, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. 
I want to just make this, make this point. In ministering to others and ministering uh, by the power of the Spirit of God and by, in the name of Jesus and sent forth by Him and, and in preaching the Word, if it's the Holy Ghost involved with what you're doing, Jesus is always going to be glorified. He will glorify me. You know, sometimes they say, well, was that God or was that something? Well, it happened in uh, John Wesley. How many of you heard of John Wesley, you know, was uh, uh, started, the, the Alpha him. He didn't start it, but the Methodist church started off his ministry. And he lived, he lived a long time. He was, he was talked about as a man of love. Uh, but, you know, he would, he, he went to his, where his father was a pastor. He went and pre- was preaching message and they didn't like what he preached they kicked him out so he went out and stood on his father's gravestone and preached there they kicked him out of there so he went out you know he kind of started the open field evangelistic meetings and during one of his meetings this woman started shaking and she fell over on the ground and they hollered out wesley is that god or is that the devil and he said i don't know i guess we'll wait till she comes too you know and so he just preached on you know and did his did what he did and uh Towards the end of the service there, straightly, she just came up, and she stood up, and she said, praise God. Praise God. He said, there's our proof. There's our proof. When someone gives glory to God, it's the Holy Ghost. It's God. Amen? Well, uh, this is the same thing here. When Jesus gets the glory, right, when Jesus is lifted up, then we know we're flowing and doing it with and by the Holy Ghost. It's not to draw attention to me. Not to draw attention to, you know, I'm not trying to uh, uh, build my name or my reputation. I'm out there putting the, the name of Jesus and his reputation. The Father, what did Jesus say? The Father in me, he does the work. The Father in me, he does the work. One more place, 1 John chapter 4. Oh, I like this. You doing all right? And this is what, this type of thing, what our, I'll, I'll say this, I, I love this, this generation because, well, the millennials, there's already one under them now, I guess, but this millennial generation, once they get this in them, they're gone. They're out there. They're, they're, they're looking for people everywhere. I mean, I get letters from Walmart, people that said, I was in Walmart and I was, I was, I was, I had to I had pain in my, down my, in my hip and I was limping. And some of this, a young person came up to me and said, said, ma'am, can I pray for you? And I said, sure. And they laid hands on me and instantly I was healed. And uh, I don't know their name, but they said they were a Ramah student. Don't even tell them their name. See, it's not about them. They know that's not about, it's about let's help people. And it's just exciting days that we're living in. He's here in John, uh, 1 John 4, the first part, I quoted the second half, but I want to see that first part, John, 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, it's not about you, it's about God, but you have to understand this, all right? If it says you are of God, then how do I make it? I am of God. See, Jesus said, the Father sent me. He kept reminding him. Kept saying, the Father in me does the work. I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. We've got to remind ourselves that we are of God. I am of God. You might have to look every morning you get up, look yourself in the, in the mirror, you know, no matter how you look when you first look in there, and say, I am of God. I am of God. 
I am of God. Now, you think about it. You go around, you go around, you didn't say you were God. I am of God. That'll keep you out of a lot of stuff. Keep you, keep you in a lot of stuff, too. I am of God. Okay? Now, why, why is that important? Because when you know that you are of God, is there anything impossible to God? No. And, and what does he say? Nothing's impossible to those that believe. So I'm the person, I'm, I'm going to minister healing now. So I'm, I've come, we've come, I mean, I've, I've already established, so when we came here, you know, uh, this week, for, you know, God come here on, uh, started Friday night, we started Friday night in St. Louis, but anytime I go in the pulpit now, I'm not struggling with identity. I know I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, okay? And it has produced, I'm telling you, the last two years has changed me. It's changed my ministry. It's changed our ministry. And I've had people, people came, and in fact, people in a long time, they said, you've changed. Something's happened to you. You're at a greater, there's a greater anointing. There's a greater thrust to what you're doing. I've, I've sensed there's, there's something's happened. What's going on? Well, it's not me. It's just coming to realization. Now, it's not me. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's, because, it's, it's in the Bible for everyone. Okay? In the Bible for everyone. Okay. And but ministering healing from that and, and following the lead. I can't stress follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Father Mumba For I have desired, I have desired to fellowship with you in, in, a, in a new way, in a different way, not where we're talking about your needs and, and the things that you have, for, for I shall supply those needs if you just yield it and cast it over on me. But I want to fellowship with you and begin to talk with you where you are concerning others and how you can minister and how I can flow through you so that you can be the conduit that I need to meet the needs of those who don't know. There are those who, who, who don't know me that will come to know me because you are sensitive and are led by the Spirit of God, and you just reach out to them and ask them, can I help you? Can I, can I pray for you? And my power will go into manifestation, and that life that's in you will be ministered to them, and, and I shall raise them up, and Jesus shall be glorified, and you shall see, and you shall be able to, to pray with people and, the, and to bring people into the very kingdom of God itself. And they shall be translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of my dear son, saith God. And it shall be, it shall be a revolutionary uh, for you, but this, it's my way of doing this evangelism, not, not on a mass scale as some see, for that's needed places, but on an individual scale. But if you, if, you, if you are engaged and the person next to you is engaged and the person sitting across the, across the congregation is engaged and the whole congregation becomes engaged in this type of, of ministry that I have called you to, then you shall see. You shall see even, yes, masses and multitudes coming into the kingdom of God and Jesus being glorified. For it is my will that all men would come to a knowledge of the truth and would be saved. It is my will. And so I want to work my will through you. But in order to do it, I have to have time with you, and you have to have time with me. Number one, spend time in my Word and with the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. For it is He who has inspired it, and He knows exactly how, how it should come to you and how, how it applies in your situation. And number two, spend time with me. Yes, pray in the Spirit, but also just pour your heart out to me and let me pour my heart into you. 
and I will show you even things to come. And when I show you something, then just act upon it when the opportunity arises. And there's no, there's no pressure on you. It's me that has showed you what to do. And as you do it, you'll start to see. Oh, my, 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 the things that you shall see, the things that you've desired. For many of you, you've longed for these days. You've longed for that, oh, Father, oh, Father, oh, Father. And yet, and yet you haven't seen some of these things, but I'm telling you, it's not, it's not hard. It's not, it's not hard. It's an easy thing for me because you're my child, and I can communicate with you in your spirit, and you know my voice. You know my voice because you've learned it through the Word of God. That's what happens to many. They don't, they don't spend time in the Word, so they don't know my voice. My voice and the Word will always agree. Ah, it's so important. It's so important. It's so important. Ah, ha, that you give yourself to the important things. <laughs> Just as Mary sat at my feet and Martha labored. There was a time to labor, but there's a time to sit at my feet and to hear the Word. Oh, and great shall, great shall, be, great shall be the results and you're going to start seeing, seeing instantaneous healings. And you're going to start seeing progressive things today. People healed as they go. But you're going to start seeing an increase in these things, not only in the individual, but it's going to happen amongst the church members. And no longer will it be, well, I've got to get so-and-so to church to get. No, they'll get them healed and they'll bring them to church and with a testimony already in place. Oh, these are days, these are days, these are days that my gospel shall be preached around the world and signs and wonders shall be shall follow the preaching and teaching of the word of god thank you father thank you father we just thank him thank you father thank you father hallelujah hallelujah we thank you father we glorify you praise you jesus praise you jesus oh oh thank you father god and things long for things seen things seen things seen things seen oh thank you father Thank you, Father. Glory to you, Father. Glory to you, Father. Glory to you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.